The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. This is episode 22 of TGIC Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. Today we'll be discussing the haunting disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi. This is our first international, well I mean international for us, case. So that's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. And let's just get started with some background. Emanuela Orlandi was born on January 14th of 1968 in Rome, Italy. She was 15 at the time of her disappearance in 1983. She lived in Vatican City, so she's Italian and Vaticanese. That, that sounds cool. That does sound really cool. And also, like, I want to live in Italy. I want to live in Italy, too. I'm also very confused about how she's Italian and Vaticanese. Because I, I know the Vatican City is, like, technically its own country in Italy. But, like, I... And she was born in Rome. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... She sounds like she has, like, default dual citizenship, which is really cool. Yeah, maybe she has, like, a parent who's Vaticanese. Maybe. I think she lived there, though. I think she was just born in Rome. Because I I think they're so close that, like, maybe that's where the hospital is. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, she was the fourth of five children. Her parents were Ercole and Maria Orlandi. Her father was either an employee of the Vatican Bank or he worked at the Papal House. Hold. So, hold on. We're going to have to, like, break this down because there's, like, there's a couple things I need to address with that sentence. So, yes, it's very strange that her her dad's job is just, like, not officially confirmed i thought that was weird Mm -hmm. but there's just like different reports claiming different things maybe he worked at multiple places maybe maybe they were both like part-time or something i'm very thrown off by that because just like there's a lot of like weird connections and throughout this whole case and the fact that they couldn't even confirm where her dad worked throws me off a little bit yeah that's yeah that's weird anyway so you may be wondering what is the papal household well I had to research this separately because I was just curious. And the papal household is someone who assists the Pope. It's like it's like a job assisting the Pope Mm -hmm. in carrying out different types of ceremonies and they can be like religious ceremonies or just like civil like Yeah, so maybe that was like a side hustle. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I really like saying papal household. Um, so she had four siblings, her older brother Pietro, and then she had three sisters, Natalina, Federica, and Maria Cristina. I just enjoyed saying those names so much. Yeah, that is, those are fun, really, they're really fun names. Italian names, I think, are just very beautiful. They are, they're so graceful. I know, I like, you have, like, American names, and one of them, it's like, Mary. Sophia. (laughs) They're just so bland. Yeah. So she, uh, Emanuela, I feel like I, we just went on such a tangent, I need to like confirm yeah. what I was talking about. Emanuela was in her second year of high school at the time of her disappearance. Um, Izzy and I are in her second year of high school. Yeah, so that's a little weird. A little, little coincidental, a little creepy. Anyway, um, in June when she disappeared, she had just gotten out of school for the summer, but she was very musically talented and she was taking flute lessons three times a week at a specialized music school. That's, like, so bougie. That is so bougie. Like, flute is the most, like, uppity instrument. You know what flutes always uh, make me think of? Did you ever watch that Scooby-Doo show? Which, which one? 
the, the Mysteries Incorporated one? Yeah. Yeah. There was one where there was, like, a flute guy who, like, used to, like, lure children a out of their house. A flute guy? Yes, I swear to God. There was a flute guy. He, like, I think it's, like, an actual, like, myth tale thing. Myth tale? Myth tale. Yeah. But he, like, literally used to play, like, his flute, and it would, like, lure children out of their houses or something. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I swear to God, that's a thing. So, I'm going to get on to the timeline. So, June 22nd of 1983 was the day of Emmanuel's disappearance. So, Emanuela calmly took the bus to flute practice to, in order to get to her music school. However, on the day she had been running really late, and she asked her brother Pietro if he could take her, and he said no. Oh. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Apparently, he had, like, prior engagements or something, but he said, like, that's his biggest regret. And he's mm-hmm. actually, like, he actually is one of, he's been investigating this case since then. Oh, God. Yeah. It's horrible. Um, Her brother was just like, no. (laughs) Yeah, he was just like, no, bye, sorry. Um, So she went to practice, and I don't, it's never really specified how she got there. Like, I don't know if she walked, or she got a ride with someone else, or she took the bus, but I don't know. And literally nobody has seen her since. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So the last time that there was any proven communication between Emanuela and her family was when she called one of her sisters to inform her of her lateness to practice and how she'd been offered a job at Avon Cosmetics by one of the representatives. Oh, um, I'm a representative for Avon Cosmetics. Really? So, last year, I think this is about last May, I decided that I was pissed because of quarantine and I couldn't babysit, so therefore I had no other source of income. (laughs) So, my mom and I signed me up, um, kind of illegally, because we had to, like, fudge my age a little bit. For, to be a representative for Avon Cosmetics. Anyway, I've, like, since, like, dropped that, because you have to, in order to actually make money, people have to spend, like, a, like so much, and I, like, would only make, like, five oh, really? bucks. Oh, really? It was so, it was so dumb. But, yes, I technically am a registered Avon Cosmetics representative. That's so creepy. I feel like we always have so many parallels to cases. Like, it's not weird. I mean, it is weird. <laughs> it's I not weird. And her sister then told her that she should probably just talk to their parents before making any big decisions. And, I mean, that was the last time anyone has ever heard from her that was, like, I guess so substantiated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's actually kind of weird now that I think about it. Because remember what I just said about fudging my age? Yeah. If she was 15, too, she wouldn't have been able to do it. You have to be 18. Or maybe it was different then. I mean, maybe. Little weird, though. She did disappear afterwards. You gotta, you gotta follow all the weirdness. And, I mean, she had supposedly met with an Avon representative who offered her the job prior to her flute lesson. And, I mean, okay, first off, that's just, like, so weird. Like, she was literally, like, scouted on the street. I mean, I think that's how a lot of people are scouted, but also that's how people are, like, kidnapped, kidnapped. and put yeah. in a human trafficking. And then also it's never been confirmed who this lady was, so we don't even know if, like, that's just weird. I don't know. And, um, she was seen, her friend said that she had seen her, like, after the lesson, and it said that she was last seen getting into a dark-colored BMW car. That's super weird. Which is really weird and doesn't make sense, because she would have been able to get a bus or something to get home, like... No one she knows drove one of those cars, I assume, right? Yeah. Like, her friend from musical school literally saw her get into this car afterwards. And that, like, totally makes me think that this Avon rep thing was, like, such a, like, scam. And then they were like, oh, yes, let's go. We'll go down right to now and get you set up at the place. And then they just (laughs) hop into her BMW. Yeah. I mean, okay. Is the, is it representative, like, when you get all the products, then you, like, go door to door? No, not really. I mean, I didn't get any free shit or anything. Oh, because my aunt, <laughs> this is so bad, my aunt 
It's like a Mary Kay. I don't know if she still does this. Oh, I know she Mary had like Kay's. a Mary Kay room in her house full of products. Oh my god. It was it's bad. Okay. Anyway, um June twenty third of nineteen eighty three was the day afterwards, and her parents went to the police to report their daughter missing due to the fact they had, like, they called her music school and all of her close friends, and nobody had any information about her current whereabouts. That's so strange. Which is just so, like, she literally disappeared. And at first, the police were really reluctant to report her missing because they claimed that she was most likely with friends and that she would probably return unscathed in the next Okay, but it's like her friends are saying they don't know where she is. Exactly. And, okay, you have to think about it. It's not like this was, like, nowadays when, like, people could have, like, internet friends that they're, mm-hmm. like, covering up. This was, like, the early 80s. Her friends were her friends. Like, she didn't have secret friends. There literally. was no way to have secret friends. And, I mean, that's just, I, that infuriates me. We talk about this literally every case. Like, either someone's labeled a low-risk case because they're older, or they're marked a runaway because they're a teenager, or they're it's just, like... Like, the only way to be a priority case is if you're, like, a child. Literally. Or if you have some sort of, like, special accommodations, uh-huh. like, if you're ill or something something i don't know and i mean over the next few days her story her photo information about her and her parents contact information were spread throughout the country on news channels newspapers and posters and literally there are like there's no evidence that's where the timeline ends which is so weird because that's like so abrupt i feel like yeah no actually i noticed that a lot when i was researching this case it like had like a pretty good timeline and like backgrounds like in the very early days and then all of a sudden, you don't start seeing leads until, like, the very late 90s and, like, 2000s. Literally, yeah. And so I'm actually going to talk about a few of the early leads that, I mean, there were a shit ton of leads, obviously, in a case like this, especially when they went internationally. And But these ones just kind of went nowhere for the case and were never further investigated. But I just felt like it should be, like, it would be good to share them so that we could get them out there and get your mind turning, I guess. So, on June 25th, which was a few days after her disappearance, a 16-year-old boy called the police named Pierre-Luigi. Oh, my God. And he claimed that he and his fiance. Okay, also, what? why the hell did this boy have a fiance at 16? Hold on. I just had to, like, do a double take for a second. Um, he was engaged at 16? Yes, he was. Wow. Um, I've never dated anyone, and I'm almost 16. Yeah, like, I turned 16 next week, and I'm not nearly close engaged to literally anyone. You could be. You could be engaged to Pierre-Luigi. Pierre-Luigi. Anyway, okay. And they claimed that they saw Orlandi, and he correctly identified that she had a flute and that she had glasses, which she actually did not enjoy wearing. However, he said that she had cut her hair because it did not look very alike to, like, the posters. It just seemed a lot shorter. And she introduced herself as Barbayella. Okay. That makes it sound like she, like, I don't know, like, became some whole different person. Yeah, literally. And he further stated that she had said that she had ran away from home and that she was selling Avon products. Um, okay, in my opinion, this doesn't make sense, but, like, at the same time, I feel like this guy had information that wasn't probably widespread then. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Something about him being 16 and calling this in seems like it, he, like, clearly thought it was important. Yeah, and gave them his name. Yeah. Gave, like, like, that's just... Like, I, if he was trying to put in a false tip, he would probably try to keep it anonymous, and if he really, like... I don't, like, when you're 16, you don't care a lot about a lot. Literally. Like, like, why would you give a shit about this unless you thought it was serious? Exactly. And this happened again on June 25th, which is the same day. A different man reported that he had seen a girl that fitted Orlandi's description. He actually worked at a bar that was in between her house and her music school. 
I don't really know how, yeah, anyway. And he said that she had gone into the bar and he like treated her as like a new customer. And she introduced herself as Barbara. Um, which, okay, in my opinion, maybe he heard that wrong and she actually said that her name was Barbella. Barba, I mean, yeah, if they were Bar- at a bar. Barbarella. Okay. I don't, I'm horrible. Guys, we're so bad at pronunciation, especially me in this episode. <laughs> but anyway, like, if that's too close. Bar, though, you could hear it. And also, it is too close to be, like, a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. Like, one of them could miss her. She maybe, maybe she interacted with one of them and then decided for the next person she'd change her name up a bit so she didn't get, like, caught on to. But, like, why would she change it that subtly? Like, I don't understand I don't why. I know. But, it, I mean, it's too close for it just to be, like, a pure a coincidence. coincidence. Yeah. And he claimed that they got to talking, and she confided in him and said that she was running away from home and that she would eventually return back for her sister's wedding. And, I mean, he only thought to tell the police when he saw her poster, like, all over the streets of Italy a few days later. Was her sister's wedding, like, a planned thing, or was this, like, oh, when my sister gets married in ten years, I'll be there? I have no idea. Like, this is literally the bulk of the information that was given. Well, I feel like it's, like, I don't know. I feel like that should have been, like... A thing addressed. in the investigation, yeah. because, like, if her sister's wedding was, like, six months out and then she didn't return, like, maybe something happened to her while exactly. she was running away, but also maybe it was just like, oh, I'll return in ten years for my like sister. my sister get married. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's yeah. a lot of information to But, process. like, both of these leads, I feel like they're relatively reputable, like, you need to put them into consideration, because nobody's gonna do a lead like this and then, like... It be fake. They don't sound like fake leads. No, they I don't. don't know if that makes sense. Like they're not extenuating on anything. I just feel like it. I feel like we've been doing sense. this for a while, and you can kind of we can we have like a sense now that you can yeah. tell when something sounds fake. These just didn't sound fake. It like I don't know. They and like sounded reputable. I can't explain did. it. And I mean, these are the two tips that I got into now because I felt like it was just interesting to bring forth the point of view. But I mean, like, we don't address the runaway theory later because I feel like it's not substantiated enough. There's not enough, like, info to corroborate it. And I mean, that is that is the runaway theory. Yeah, that is the runaway theory, basically. But, um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to bring forth. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, conceptualize a little bit. I feel like if she were a runaway, which is totally probable, mm-hmm. then I think something bad to her, like, must have happened to her. Yeah, exactly. the runaway thing. Like, maybe she got mixed in with some bad crap. And, like, maybe she just started off doing... Maybe she went with friends that her parents didn't know. Like, the dark BMW or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then something happened. Or, like, maybe she was running away. And then when she just happened to be walking on the street alone because she was, like, by herself and, like, maybe homeless or something, that's when someone kidnapped her. Like, true. Once you put yourself as a runaway, like, a whole bunch of bad shit can happen. And that's it why... It opens up a bunch of doors. That's why police should pay attention even if they are a runaway. Exactly. Because bad things, yeah. even worse things could just happen to you when you are a runaway. Literally. But I do have to say, like, this... If she was a runaway... This would have to be, like, very, very, like, abrupt. You know what I mean? Because her brother was supposed to take her, and then he chose not to, and she didn't have anything but her flute and her glasses. So, like, you know what I mean? It's very off. Unless the lady offered her a job at Avon, and she was like, Okay, bye. Screw it. I'm going to go sell Avon products. You know what? I just said never say never, <laughs> but that was totally out of context, so yeah, never mind. Not not exactly appropriate for this kind of situation. 
Okay, so we're gonna get a little bit into the theories. So the first theory I'm gonna get into is the Orlandi-Arsha connection theory. So this is um, quite the theory, and it's like, literally it's one of the most confusing theories I've ever seen. I was trying to do research on this, and I had to keep pausing because I was like trying to slowly process the information. Really? Oh my god. It was just, it was a lot to follow, if that makes sense. Like yeah. there'd be something, and then mm -hmm. it would switch, and there would just, it was a lot, it was exactly. a lot to like, follow. This type of research kind of reminds me of the Johnny Gosh case, because when you were researching that, you also had to research a bunch of other stuff in order to understand the plot, or not the plot, like, what was happening yeah. in the story. And also, not all the time when we're researching is there, like, I don't know, like, reputable people or, mm -hmm. like, groups involved. Yeah. And there was a lot of that, like, because of, like, like neo-fascist groups and mafia stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, people, like, this is, like, another person. This is all connected. Like, it was we It was weird. Yeah. Okay, so this begins with a man named, okay, I'm totally going to butcher this, and I'm just going to say I'm sorry now. His name was Mehmet Ali Ayşah. Um, He is a Turkish, er, Turkish assassin for the Grey Wolves, which is a neo-fascist and far-right extremist organization in Turkey. That is such a cheesy name. Okay. Don't come after me. He's still alive. He means he's an assassin. We yeah. Gotta watch out. Please don't come after me. But that name is like high key cheesy. Like I feel like that would he be a, pick it, Izzy. But that would be like a separate gang in like Riverdale. Oh my god, it's wouldn't it, it be? Sounds like something. It the gray wolf sounds like something from Riverdale. Like the seaside serpents and the gray wolves. <laughs> it was like it was not the seaside serpent. It was, <laughs> it was like the green serpent. No, it was, it was a, a south, south side. side. That's what it was. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that show is so dumb. Yeah. It was bad. Anyway, yeah. Seriously, this guy might actually come after him. He's like alive, and I don't think he's, he's in prison like right 95 now. Ninety-five years old. He'd have to like knock you out with his walker. Izzy, don't say that. What if he has, like, a gun? I don't want to get killed. <laughs> not gonna... This man probably won't listen to our podcast. I really hope and not. And if he does, hey, Mehmet. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway, so he's just been in and out of prison for, like, most of his life on murder charges, I mean, which really poses the question, how good of an assassin are you if, if you, you just keep, keep getting, getting arrested? arrested? That makes no sense. Like, if you're spending, like, 20-year murder charges, like, like, and, like, in between you're killing, like, one person, you're not being very successful. Yeah, like, you're being very sloppy. Yeah, I mean, if I was an assassin, I'd take it a little bit more seriously. Exactly. Okay. This is very off topic, but have you guys ever thought about, like, if you could have an illegal job, what would that job be? Because I would be an assassin. Not a lot of people think about that, is it? Really? I, I don't think so. I don't really think about it. What would your illegal job be? I don't know. I'd want something that would like make me really rich. Like I'd probably want to be like a like a female mafia boss. Huh? That would be cool. I think it would be kind of cool. So anyway, in 1979, he also attempted to assassinate the Pope, but he was uns unsuccessful. This guy's got some balls. Yeah, I mean, uh, unsuccessfully trying to assassinate the Pope. That's a lot. That's a lot there. Um, like, yeah. the Pope literally has a Pope-mobile that, like, has <laughs> glass on. No, he tried to assassinate him in his Pope-mobile. I saw a picture. It's currently, Are you serious? It's currently in, like, the Vatican Museum. <gasps> like, the, 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 like, the Pope-mobile that he was attempted to be assassinated by this guy in. It's like, that, that's that exact awesome. one is in a museum. <laughs> that's awesome. This case is... Uh, I'm, I'm so lost on this case because this is nuts. We're talking about the Pope-mobile right now. Yeah. Okay. It's like the Bat-mobile. But with, like, an old guy in it. The Pope? 
Um, so, you may be wondering, what the fuck does this have to do with Emanuela? Basically, he started claiming that Emanuela Orlandi had been kidnapped by the Grey Wolves in a prison interview on RIA State Television, and that's like Italy's NPR. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, he was like on this prison interview, because, you know, he tried to assassinate the Pope, yeah. and they were like, let's interview him. And he says, oh yeah, um, the Grey Wolves kidnapped Emanuela Orlandi. Um, so he just claimed in this interview that Emanuela was alive and just not in danger and she was living in a convent. What? Yeah, he just, he was like, yeah, I'm gonna slip that in there. But he denied knowing any more, like, information about her and the investigation into, like, him specifically was closed in 1997. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess they just couldn't substantiate it. I don't know. And I mean, he seems a little, little weird. A little sus. He's a little bit on the weird side, socially Mm -hmm. awkward. Going back to Riverdale, you know that the, his like monologue where he's like, "I'm a weirdo." <laughs> I feel like he might really I don't identify. Fit in, I'm weird. <laughs> but in 2000, uh, Italian that felt that felt weird to say in 2000, like not 2000 something. Yeah, just in 2000. I felt like I like had to stop short there. Okay, in 2000, an Italian Supreme Court judge named Ferdinando Imposimato which is a cool name, who I can only suspect he's a fellow true crime theory, theorist, 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 because he suspected, based on his knowledge of the Grey Wolves, that Emanuela was living a happy life in Paris and fully integrated in the Muslim community there. And he was, like, the only supporter of this theory at the I time. I mean, that, that is the big, most BS I've ever heard in my life. How could you be happy after you've been kidnapped and basically put into, like, sex slavery? I don't think she was put into sex slavery. The impression I got from when I was doing this research is that she was kidnapped by the Grey Wolves as, like, leverage or something. Really? Yeah, like, uh, cause, like some sort of leverage on, like, trying to get what's-his-face out of jail from, like, attempting to murder the Pope mm. or something. But basically, it was, like, that. And so he, this guy, this Supreme Court judge, who is, like, clearly a fellow true crime guy, like, mm-hmm. he, he, he could listen to our podcast. I think he might be dead, though. Oh. Um... He, he, like, was, like, the only supporter of the series, but he's, like, you know, the Grey Wolves, they kidnapped her, and then somehow she ended up in Paris and, like, living in a Muslim community. So, it's a little far off, and it only gets only, like, it only gets worse from here. In 2006, a letter was released claiming that Emanuela and another girl, who also disappeared in 1983, were kidnapped together as leverage in getting Mehmet Ali Asha out of jail for murdering a journalist. So basically, he had murdered this, like, Turkish journalist who was, like, very, like, leftist. Mm-hmm. And he, because he was all far-right and stuff with the Grey Wolves, he, like, murdered him. And then he got, you know, caught and arrested. And so they were kidnapped as, like, leverage or something. And so there was just a lot of back and forth on this theory. Very confusing stuff. But then in 2010, um, Mehmet Ali Ashka said that Emanuela was being held prisoner by the Vatican as a favor for him when he last, like, heard about it. Um... Okay. Yeah, and honestly, I'm just so confused, but I kind of like the conspiracy of it all. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting conspiracy. It's an interesting theory, I think. But also, like, I'm very, very confused. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought, like, if he tried to kill the Pope, then wouldn't he not really like the Vatican? Why would he be doing, like, favors for each other? Literally. Okay, I'm so confused. Alright, next theory. Okay, so I'm going to get into the Mafia gang theory. So, okay, let me just remind you guys, this is... The first mafia theory since the Germans. 
Izzy loves mafia theories. I love mafia theories. The Dragons anyway. wasn't even a real mafia theory. It was a mafia theory in my mind. Hmm. You made so, it up. <laughs> this theory came out in 2011 when an Italian gang member said Emanuela's kidnapping was a series of strikes against the Vatican because they were not paying back money that they had lent him. Like, a lot of money. Yeah, like, the, this is not, like, a five-buck, like, no, spot like, loan. No, probably hundreds of thousands or maybe in the millions, do Yeah, you think? probably. And, I mean, the Italian police then exhumed the tomb of a mafia leader because someone had claimed it would contain incriminating evidence through an anonymous tip. Yeah, I'm so confused about, like, what would you be buried with that would prove, like, some sort no, of connection? like a note? Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, Why would you do I that? I don't know. And if he was a mafia boss, that's not, like, going to be the only... It's not like, oh, I'm going to take this secret to the grave with me. I'm sure no. this guy had a lot of secrets being a, like, mob mafia box. <laughs> yeah, and so I don't I don't know really where this, this person was going and why they thought they would be okay to exhume the tomb. Yeah, literally. And, I mean, nothing... Obviously, nothing was found that connected him to Emanuela. And another, that's one of the things we're talking about, like a fake tip. You can tell that's fake because yeah. it's so outlandish. And it doesn't make any sense. No, literally. Okay. Another weird thing about this mafia leader was that his former girlfriend claimed that he told her he had kidnapped Emanuela. Okay. Um, which is okay. I, not okay, but I mean, like, I, okay, like, that's interesting. But I feel like that happens in a lot of, like, if someone is just freaking twisted and they want to get clout for something even they'll if just it's say it. they'll or just maybe say it. it didn't even happen the girlfriend was like oh they're digging up his tomb let me just hop on that and get yeah. some attention out of it literally like and i mean that's just another weird theory that's been skept stipulated Specu speculated. speculated for many years now and it's just like oddly probable i guess well, okay both these theories that we've gone over they're oddly probable yeah, they are very oddly probable. Like, like, there's actually, like, kind of backing to them. It's kind of strange. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, usually when we talk about these, like, outlandish theories, they're not this probable. Like, I could understand yeah. any of these actually have happening. Yeah, like, if I heard this happen, I would believe it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, the last theory is the Vatican City sex scandal theory. Ooh. So, around the same time as the mafia theory was being investigated, there was a lot of renewed media interest in the case because of this. So... This encouraged an 85-year-old exorcist known as Father Gabriel Amorth to claim that Emanuela had been kidnapped by a member of the Vatican police for quote-unquote sex parties and then was later murdered. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, he also claimed that some foreign embassy was involved. But he, like, didn't name the foreign embassy, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, that's really annoying. I mean, like, seriously... You're 85 years old, you need to get out all the information now. <laughs> and, I mean, all of these theories led us to a very strong conclusion. The Vatican is guilty of something in this case! <laughs> we don't know what it is, we don't know if it's just, nope. like, cover-up, it's something. Something, something, something. They could have done the whole thing, they could have just played a very small part in it, but someone in there is guilty. Uh-huh. And may I also add that there was more information in this case in, like, like, we're saying, like, the 2010s, 20 to 2015, where people were saying, like, the Vatican definitely had something involved. They're hiding her bones in, like, the basement, in the tombs. Creepy. And they ended up, like, literally, like, Julian was talking about earlier about the gang boss. They ended up exhuming five or six tombs, and they actually found bone fragments that they thought were hers, but they, like, tested them, and they weren't hers, and they were, like, really old. 
But that's just weird. Like, I feel like the police are starting to, like, be like, okay, there is something happening here. Yeah, I don't, this whole situation is weird, but it makes me think that the original police were probably corrupt if the Vatican was involved, and now that there's been, like, police overturn as people, like, you know, change out jobs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing, I, they're probably starting to pick up on more of the corruption. Exactly. That's just my speculation. And I mean, maybe they know stuff that we don't know, and that hasn't been released to the public, and that's why they're, like, actually investigating some of this stuff yeah i mean it's totally possible so you guys just let us know what you think let us know on instagram let us know on tiktok which we are now on uh-huh follow us at tgic.podcast you can also let us know on instagram our username is the same and yeah this was the disappearance of emanuela orlandi so just you know make sure to follow subscribe review do all the good things our instagram is at tgic podcast like i just said and tune in next week for another mysterious true crime case bye Please take a second to listen to the promo for an amazing podcast called Lagin. Mabuhay. My name is Christine, and I'm a Filipina-German podcaster based in the UK. I host a podcast called Lagim. Lagim is a Filipino word for dread or terror, but don't worry, the podcast is all in English. Every two weeks, I feature infamous and also lesser-known true crime stories from the Philippines. So find Lagim on any of your preferred podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Just type Lagim Podcasts into the search bar, that is L-A-G-I-M, and then Podcasts, and get ready for some true crime stories, Filipino style.